Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Story Box, where I, your host, Jay Phantom, has the utmost privilege and honor to unbox the amazing stories of some incredible people from all walks of life and experiences. I'm delighted and grateful that you're here today. Now let's dive into the story box and hear more about our guest today. Friends, welcome back to another episode of the Storybox podcast. And have I got an amazing story for you guys today? My guest is none other than Pastor Miles McPherson. Now, for those of you who don't know who he is, Miles played four seasons in the NFL with the San Diego Chargers from 1982 to 1985, well before I was born. It was during this time, though, that he developed a huge cocaine addiction and found the NFL star in a tailspin as he began to constantly feed his bad habit. And after a second season in the NFL, after a week-long drug binge, he called out to Jesus Christ, accepted him, and stopped doing drugs all in one day. And I know some of you will be wondering, but he had an addiction. How do you break an addiction all in one day? Miles and I get to talking about that because I had the same question uh, as I know a lot of you might have right now. This is an amazing, and I mean an amazing story. Miles, after his football career, went on and he felt like he was called to full-time ministry. He worked as a youth pastor uh, for Horizon Christian Fellowship in San Diego and enrolled in Azusa Pacific University School of Theology, receiving his Master's of Divinity degree in 1991, still well before I was born. And in 2000, I was four years old, He felt like God had called him to start Rock Church, which pretty much, my friends, is one of America's largest churches reaching over 18,000 people every single week, which is insane. More than that, Miles has released three books, and his latest book is called The Third Option, which speaks out about the pervasive racial division in today's culture and argues that we must learn to see people not by the color of their skin, but as God sees them, humans created in the image of God. Miles and I had such a a deep, real and amazing conversation that I know you guys are going to get so much from him. He's a man of great wisdom and he's got a lot of experience under his belt, so he knows exactly what he's talking about. So with that being said, my friends, I do have one huge favor for you. If you do get something out of this week's episode, please uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review over there. If you want a chance to be read out 
uh, or your review to be read out on the next episode of the Storybox. Leave a review and I'll be more than happy to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Um, it makes doing this and reaching more people very worthwhile, but I need your support even more. Uh, get involved, get amongst the community. Let's build this community of the Storybox to change more lives for the better. You can also watch uh, this episode with Miles over on YouTube now. So the links for that will all be in the show notes below. You can go and buy Miles' book. Uh, all the links for that will be in the show notes below too. I guarantee you his book will change your life. I've got my copy, so make sure that you guys get your copy too. Uh, so with that being said, my friends, let's dive into the story box and hear Miles McPherson's story. Hey man, you were, you were three years old when we started. Let me tell you, that, that, that I can't believe it was that long ago, but yes, I, it's my pleasure to be here. Nice to meet you. It's absolute, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Uh, can't wait to actually hear more about your story and unbox it a little bit. And I love the fact that you are a senior pastor. I think you are my first pastor that I've spoken to uh, on the story box. So how about that? <laughs> um, I, I usually have one question that I love asking people to start things off. And that is, what does success look like to you? That's a good question. Um, today, success would be... Um, becoming what God wants me to become. Mm. And it's not only to do what he wants me to do. Uh, it's really becoming what he wants me to become because, and those two things go hand in hand with God. I mean, you can't really, if God says build a church, what he's meaning is be the pastor I want you to be. And through that person, I'll build what I'm going to build. So I think, you know, every day now I'm getting up and journaling. I'm writing a little, I don't know if it's going to be a book, but it's a series of little devotionals. And I'm reflecting on what he wants me to become and how to become that. So that will be success for me. Hmm. Where did this idea of success come from for you? Has it been a lot more of a recent idea that you've come up with? Or was there a catalyst moment somewhere in your life? Yeah, I would say in the last uh, couple of years, as the Holy Spirit's been more, uh, I've been more intimate with the Holy Spirit, more aware, more submissive, more and more and more, he's been softening my heart. And, and to be honest with you, um, <clears throat> I was even writing today in my journal how, uh, you know, often we spend our life trying to live longer and I want to live longer. You know, I'm 60 years old, I feel great. I want to live longer as long as I could be productive. But I was reading this book the other day, the longer you live, the more problems you have. You know, and it's like, instead of trying to prepare and work so hard for this life is to prepare for the next life. And I, I got, to, I watched both my parents die. And when my father took his last breath, it kind of hit me. What's my last breath going to be like? Is it going to be a painful process? Is it going to be, am I going to suffer a long time? And, and, and I started to really think about that. And, and that was, you know, six years ago. But just today, in the last week or so, I've been thinking, okay, I got I to gotta prepare to start letting go of all the, the things I'm holding on to. You know, Jesus, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow. So mm -hmm. just let go. And so I've been in that process of preparing to die, you know. And so when if God wants to take something from me, then I'm good with it. So as I do, as that happens in my heart, I'm like, you know, uh, it's it's more and more evident that I just got to be the person. And, and so in doing that, God's saying, okay, I want to deal with that. 
I actually wrote a list the other day. I wish I had it over there on my desk. Mm-hmm. I wrote a list of like 14 things about my character that I don't like. And so I said, okay, I got to work on all this stuff. <laughs> so right. that, that's, that's being, that's it. I think um, we're always consistently working on our character or we should be working on our character daily, especially our integrity, who we are when no one's watching. Um, You mentioned there for a moment, softening your heart and how God does that. I mean, I know for a fact in my life, he's done that many, many times. And I'm curious, how has God done that in your own life? How has he softened your heart? You know, (laughs) loving me, um, you know, when I read about, um, his love for me, what he's done for me, it's the spirit of God just con- lovingly convicts me. And as I've been writing these, these, these devotionals are called rivers. And that's not what this book is about, but rivers are, you know, uh, John 7, 37, 39 talks about, if you believe in him, rivers of living water will flow from your heart. Mm. And as those rivers flow, God is showing me, hey, I don't like this, but it's not a condemning. It's, it's like, man, I let God down. And he says, but let's go. And, I'm, and so the more I, the more those rivers flow, the more I want to please my father. Mm. And, and so that's, that's, how, that's the, how, how the process has been. And, and by the way, when the rivers flow, they flow from you. It blesses you but they flow to somebody else and encourages them. So I'm like, wait, God, how do you want me to love that guy, that girl? And what, what do you have for their life? And so it gives me a love for that person. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed a lot more joy in my life, a lot more peace, uh, love for people. And I, I'm a people person, but even more love for people and more, I don't, I don't really want anything. I don't want to want anything from anybody. I'm not perfect, but I don't want to want anything and, and just be a blessing. Um, and, and so that's, what's been happening. Mm. I love that. So you mentioned there for a moment about loving people and, and what that actually looks like. So are you able to, in, in your own version of what you've noticed that God's real love is, are you able to share what that actually looks like? What God's love is? What God's love is. Yeah. What, what's a picture like that? Uh, what does that resemble for you? You know, um, God, you know, again, I was, I was reading today about how God, he's no matter what you've done, I accept you. I don't accept what you do all the time, mm. but think about all the things that you have done that I've forgotten and graciously, uh, continue to bless you and, um, uh, promote, fulfill support my vision in your life god's vision in my life and it's really that it's like a it's like a it's like a dad hugging a kid and the kid is cursing at the dad and dad says i love you anyway mm-hmm. i still love you so uh, it's as simple as that um uh you know we get up on we 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 get so distracted with the, the toys we <laughs> the toys we want from our dad or mom but he's like no i want you to want me mm-hmm. so it's real simple I think that's a powerful truth though. Like when you really think about it, the fact that someone actually accepts you for you, despite all the wrong that you've done in your life. I mean, I remember about a year and a half ago, I walked away from God thinking that I knew everything. <laughs> you were 22. <laughs> I was 22, man. I was 22 years old. And I, 
I was, I think I was angry. I was bitter and resentful because yeah, my life hasn't exactly been easy. You know, um, God's almost taken me home three times. I've had all these health struggles, you name it. And I think I was just, I was just bitter and I had, uh, I had harbored all this resentment towards God for such a long time. And I realized when God had to break me and he broke me real hard in 2018, I ended up getting uh, meningitis and I couldn't see for three, four days. And it was just my time to think. And you were Paul, the apostle Paul. I was literally Paul. I kid you not. And I, what, what God says with the story of Paul, just making himself real, for Paul back then, he did the exact same thing for me. And he said, Jay, where are you going? Like, I'm curious, where, where, are, you, where are you off to on, on this path? And I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. And I'm thankful that he made himself known in that moment. And I got my life back on track. And, and he made himself and has since made himself known and present in my life ever since. And I'm grateful for that, you know. and um, I want to go for your story, uh, Miles, and back to when it all started. Like, what was your childhood like? Um, what, what were some of the lessons your parents taught you growing up that you still hold dear to your heart today? And, and yeah. You know, I grew up in New York. Um, I had a white grandmother, half Chinese black grandmother, two black grandfathers, so I have a interracial family and grew up in a black neighborhood, went to school in a white neighborhood for the first eight years and had racial tension in both. We were, it was a segregated uh, community at the time. So I got harassed in the white neighborhood because I wasn't white, got harassed in the black neighborhood because I wasn't black enough um, and played football, which was my, you know, safe haven is where we all came together and got along. But my family was diverse and we, you know, we had Chinese, black, white, um, light, dark. And that was where I learned to, you know, see everybody um, as one. I mean, obviously you can, you, you do see color and you see all the different versions and, and that's what made it beautiful was, I, oh, wait a minute, we get along. Why can't we all outside get along? So <clears throat> I learned through the example of my family uh, of loving everybody and appreciating appreciate people who they were and then loving the underdog. I mean, my dad and mom had a real heart for the kids in my neighborhood who had no parents. Mm-hmm. And we got, they got to be parents to a lot of kids, a lot of kids. My mother was a nurse at the junior high where everybody went. And so she had a lot of kids that adopted her. My dad was a dad to a, a, some of the guys in my neighborhood and they were, you know, a good 10, 20 guys my age in my class that had no dad. Some had no parents at all. And my dad was their dad. And so I, I was watching that. And that's what gave me the passion to write the book. Um, because, you know, not only was I, felt, was I feeling the discrimination of my family, I felt the discrimination, but it was really, how do I help people? How do I help all these people that I love and know who are getting discriminated against and, and felt that all throughout my life when I was eight years old, Martin Luther King was killed. And I just remember thinking, what do we do? You know, we got to do something. So for decades, I, I just had that gnawing at me, like, you got to help, you got to help, you got to help. And so I wrote the book, it came out two years ago, Third Option. And, and who would have thought that it was so more in timely now 
that that this book will be out and that it could be the message that can bring us together. Mm. I haven't read your book yet, but can you give a brief overview of what is in that book? Exactly, exactly. And they can get on Amazon or at milesofpearson.com. But it, it, in, we have an us first them culture. And um, it, you, it, especially here in the United States, I'm not sure what's going on in, the, in, in Australia, but you're either for or against Black Lives Matter, you're either for or against the police, you're the for or against rebel, Republican, Democrat, you know, you're for the Confederate flag or against. And all around the world, I just see this, this division that you have to pick one side or the other. And once you pick one side, you can never agree with the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, if you agree with the other side or, or speak in favor of anybody on the side, you're a sellout. Mm -hmm. And so you have this, this fight. And, and, and if you say the wrong thing, this cancel culture just throws you in the trash. No forgiveness, no grace, no patience. And so people are scared to talk and people are scared to, to say anything or you're either saying nothing or you're screaming, right? There's no, there's no dialogue, there's no relation. Well, the third option, instead of this option or this option, excuse me, the third option is that we honor what we have in common, that all of us are more similar than different. And so the third option is honor. How can I honor the things in your life that I have in common? And by the way, we have way more things in common than different. We both bleed red. We both love our food, our pillow. We want to have purpose in life. We want to have clarity. We want to have a family. We want to have a job. We want to, we want to understand the journey we're on. We're all made in the image of God. I can go on, 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 on. And even the things that would be different, I would argue, are similar. For example, you have an accent. I have an accent. We both have an accent, right, to each other, right? And, and so the whole book is about how can we uh, find common ground on the things that we share and work towards those things. And so when you have people who are all arguing about, you know, the police, well, can we all agree that we want to be safe? Mm. Can we all agree that police are human? My son's a cop. My dad was a cop. But cops aren't perfect just like we aren't perfect. So let's now, and there's the there's change has to happen. However, let's focus on what we agree on instead of throwing all the cops out as bad people. And so um, uh, it's about how can we, how can we, um, I don't want to say fight for, but advocate for the things that we have in common. So I talk about blind spots, how, how you can understand the blind spots that you have in your life. How do you understand the labels and the power of the dishonoring labels that you put on people or the have, how can we move from a race conversation to a race con consultation? Mm. It's all these concepts that we could talk more about in the, on the program is designed to help people give honor to what we have in common. And if we do that, we can come together. Is positive change really possible for the entire world or is it just something that we envision happening but not actually working towards well positive change has happened we go back and forth you know and george floyd i mean the civil rights movement brought about a lot of positive change uh and so it's possible i think the question it would be and i got asked this earlier on another podcast um what do i see in the next 10 20 years i don't know could it ever be eradicated no because we're imperfect and let me go back. The definition of racism is when you see someone as less human 
or the image of God in them less than yours. We do that for a lot of reasons. We do it for color. We do it for accent. We do it for tribe. We do it for caste. If you're in India, we do it for socioeconomic. If you're poor, you're less than me. And so because we're selfish and because we're selfish and prideful, we will always find a reason to say someone's less than we, you know, you have a, if someone has a different accent, oh, they're less than. If someone can't speak English, oh, they're less than, you know, because we're so prideful. So that's probably never going to go away. However, it doesn't mean that we all don't want it. And it doesn't mean we all shouldn't fight for it. And it doesn't mean I don't want to be that guy, right? That, that is doing that. I'll let that have someone else do that. So um, I think it's definitely worth fighting for. Uh, because, you know, we all want a better world for our kids and grandkids. Mm. A lot of the people that are starting all this hatred towards um, people of different color, race, it all comes down to how they were brought up, most most importantly, their culture. It's like they're conditioned to hate other people that are different to them because they've either been told somewhere along the line. So I think breaking that chain ultimately, but once again, it all comes down to we're all sinful human beings. We all are imperfect people searching for a way to be quite perfect, but we won't ever get there. And, you know, that's exactly right. One of the things I talk about is a social narrative and the social narrative is the story that shapes how you see the world. Mm. And that's, you know, and, and by the way, right now, kids social narrative are being reshaped. They're saying, okay, it's us versus them. Those people are like this, boom, 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 boom. And we are like this, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And that's how people, that's how we get shaped. Then we grow up believing that that's true. Until you go to Australia or London and figure out, oh, there's a whole bigger world out there with a whole bunch of people who think that way different. And they're not wrong. They, they're right. I'm right. So it's just really, you know, but, you know, when you, when you walk around with blinders, and you say Adidas, and then you go to Sydney, and they say Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I remember. I remember my Adidas. Adidas. Yes. And it's like I was like, wait a minute. And it's like, no, that's not wrong. It's just different, right? Yeah. My grandfather, my great grandfather is Chinese, and his name is Wong Kim Fong. And in, in Chinese, the first, the last, the last name is first. Right. So his last name is Wong, but they, it's Wong Kim Fung. And I just interviewed a girl yesterday. She's 30. I interviewed her uh, about my book, and she's a preacher, and her name is Wong Su Fei. And ironically, I said, we must be related, right? <laughs> but but I, I was telling somebody about the names, and I, I didn't say they were backwards. I said they were reversed from us, because mm. to say they were backwards means I, I always right. Yep. And, but when you go and you travel around the world and, and you meet people, you realize the the, 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 the the social narrative and the story and the perspective I had is just my perspective. It's mm. not the perspective, mm. you know, and, that, and that's where blind spots come from because when people think their way is it, they can't see outside of these blinders yep. and they don't even know what they don't even know. Mm. And, and so this book talks about, you know, how we can understand our blind spots, how to get over our blind spots um, and learn from them. I absolutely love that. Like that is, that is perfect uh, analogy, like the blinders and you got to look at it from this perspective, like as a Christian, I think oftentimes you got to understand that Christ died for everyone. 
every single person on the face of the earth. And, you know, the, the heretic, the, the one, the gay person, the black person, the white person, the Caucasian person, the Chinese, doesn't matter who it was, God died for them. But he also made it so it's our choice to accept him or not. And I think that ultimately it comes down to God gave us an amazing gift called free will. We have a choice whether or not we want to judge other people. And it's so easy to judge. It's so easy to do it because it's like that's our sinful nature creeping back up. And then it's so easy to form these blinders because as we are conditioned over a period of our life, this is what is we're meant to believe this is real, but it's really not. And I love your, the title of your book, This Third Option, which basically I believe we have a choice that we can choose love, acceptance, peace, prosperity, yeah. honor, you know, and I think it all comes down to, okay, we, we have different opinions and beliefs, but how can I accept you still for what you believe in? And I think that, 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 that's a process in of it itself, really. The greatest commandment, you know, I, it, it, I have an e-course that was made for this book and it's six sessions and it talks about blind spots. Each session has a teaching and then some uh, question, this group discussion and then role play so people can actually learn these concepts through practice. Mm. And we start with the idea that we're all unified and made in the image of God. Then we go to groupings and talks about how you can convert people from being an out group to your in group. And then we have a session on blind spots, how you can learn your blind spots. And then another one on converting dishonorable labels to honoring labels. And I, I want to talk about labels in a minute. Mm. And then a session on being a brother's keeper. And then another session on having race consultations, which I need to talk about. But in this e-course, it's going to take people through uh, these experiences and you get to act them out and live them out. Um, and you do it in small groups, or, you know, through a, through a whole church or whatever. And, and, and so I, I want to encourage people to get that. You can get it at milesofcurrence.com because that's going to help people live this out. It's not just information for the head. It's actually something we have to live out. Action more than just words. And, and and knowing something, you know, like you got to put it into practice. Otherwise, exactly. this is there. And, 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 and now I remember why I brought it up. There's a bonus teaching. And it, was, it has to do with what you were talking about. Mm. When we, as Christians, our number one goal and number one commandment is to love God with your heart, mind, and soul. Mm. And especially in our culture now, people are attacking. Everybody's getting attacked. Are you, do you believe in kneeling for the flag? If you, if you do, you're a racist. Do you believe in this? If you, don't, if you don't say defund the police, you're a racist and all this stuff. And a lot of believers like, I don't know what to say. Mm. And the answer is this, Matthew 5, 43 to, 40, uh, 43 to 45, is that you've heard it said to love your friends and hate your enemies. But I say love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you. Yeah. That, that we have to not, we don't have to win those arguments. And having conversations about race is not about winning an argument because I don't know that you really can. I mean, I, you may be able to outsmart a few people or I shouldn't say outsmart, convince a few people, but that's not the goal. Mm. 
The goal is to out-love them, not even out-love them, but to love them. So the question is, how good can you love people who don't agree with you? Mm -hmm. Because as a believer, anybody can be friends with people who are friendly. And matter of fact, Jesus says, you don't get any credit for that. <laughs> he says, <laughs> you know, the question is, how well do you love people who, your enemies, and, and not only people who don't agree with you, your enemies, the people who hate you. And if, if all we have to do as believers is to have a disagreement, to, if all we do is to have a disagreement to give us the permission not to love them, then all the devil has to do is create a disagreement. Mm. But Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. This is the time for the church not to win the argument, but to, but to win hearts by loving people. Mm. And, and so in, in this, uh, now the, the book, that's what the book's about, but also this e-course, which is, which is a, a tool for small groups to go through. And instead of learning about it, now we can put it into practice, mm. um, put these principles into practice. But the bigger issue is that when I when I meet Jay, it doesn't matter what Jay says to me. I, I know you're going to be a cool guy, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to love him. Period. And there's no there's there can't there's no reason I can justify before God not to love you. Will it always be easy? No. Will it always be pleasant? No. But but welcome to the welcome to humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think as believers, if we can't get that right. And communicate that. And by the way, if you if you can convince yourself of that and get committed to that, then dealing with racism is easy. Mm. But there there are a lot of people in our country, Jay, and uh, that are using the Black Lives Matter uh, organization and, and and disagreeing with the organization as an excuse to not talk about racism. Yeah. And say, I don't want to talk about it. And that's not, you know, Jesus says, so you're telling me you're not going to acknowledge justice as coming from my heart. You're not going to acknowledge that or or acknowledge injustice because you don't agree with that organization. Well, we're not my organization, the kingdom of God. And so I think this this book and e-course is designed to give people tools to not have to get in a fight, but just to live out the gospel and to love humanity the way God wants us to. Mm, I got goosebumps when you read out that Bible verse in Matthew. Every time I hear it, I get goosebumps because it's so real. It's powerful. And as you're reading that, I just look down at my my journal, which is um, Isaiah 40 verse 31 on the cover. And in it, it's got like little Bible verses. And, and this is amazing. It's Proverbs 8, 17, which says, I love those who love me and those who seek me will diligently find me. That, yes, <laughs> that comes back to what I was saying earlier, which is a choice. Those that actually make the choice to find God will also find love, real love. And God is love, you know? So, and I guess it's definitely hard to love others that are difficult to love, but it's literally a command. God never said it was going to be easy, you know, and, and that's the only way we, that's the only way we want to show we're his disciples for our love for one another. And it's, and it's the way we learn how to love, because if I can't love people who don't agree with me, how am I going to love myself when I don't do things that I don't like? Mm. And because you love, love your neighbor as yourself. It, 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 there's two sides to that. It doesn't only mean you should do for them what you 
do for yourself. It also means you will do for yourself as you do for them. Yep. You can't separate those two things because if this is your love, mm. this is the love you're going to have. So if I want this love to get better, one of the places for it to get better is for the people who don't agree with me. Mm. And so, you know, how, the love you express, when Jesus says love your neighbor, he's also saying to you, improve your love. Because if you improve your love for them, you're going to improve your love for yourself. Mm. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love that. <laughs> this is such a profound, I, I didn't know that we were going to go this way in the conversation, but I've loved it. Um, and I want to ask you, I want, I want to go back a little bit to more your story before we progress and ask you about uh, your cocaine addiction. Now, I've always been curious about, you're now a, you're now a born-again Christian, you're a senior pastor of a huge church over, over in the States, but I want to ask you, what caused that cocaine addiction? Well, I started smoking weed when I was 16 and when I was 22. My first year with the San Diego Chargers, I went into a hotel room and some teammates pulled out cocaine and peer pressure had me do it once. And that was the beginning of two years of doing it. I have addictive behavior. You know, I'm ADD. And, and once I did it once, I was like, well, you know, I just kept doing it, kept doing it. And, and, and I did it for two years until one day I was uh, on the couch. I had been up all night doing cocaine. It was five in the morning. And I just told Jesus, I won't do this anymore. And I surrendered my life to him and stopped it one day, April 12, 1984, and called my girlfriend up that day. We got back together. We've been married 36 years. We got married that year and we've been married 36 years. No way. That is, <laughs> that is incredible. So you've got to tell me, did you know who God was previously to you calling out to him? Yeah. Uh, when I was 19, I, well, I went to Catholic school, so I knew about the gospel. Then I was 19. Um, uh, some two hippies. Uh, you guys know that word, hippies? Yes, I love hippies. <laughs> huh? I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So two hippies, uh, you know, long beards, bummy yep. clothes. What's going on, man? Just share the guy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, Woodstock, you know, yep. uh, uh, um, they, they shared the gospel with me in a department store and I, get, I got saved but I didn't have anybody in my life to help me. So I just fell away for five years. And then uh, some guys on the football team were sharing a gospel with me uh, um, and for two years in the NFL. And then I just, and I knew the gospel and I just kept saying, you know, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. And then that day I just said, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, and I committed my life to Jesus. And that was it. Never did cocaine again. Never smoked weed again. That is, that is incredible. I've always been curious about breaking away from addiction. And because you mentioned there, like you have an addicted, addictive behavior before. I have an addictive behavior, struggle with addictions all my life, not with cocaine or alcohol, never smoked, never drunk in my life, but other addictions. And I've always been curious about this breakaway. And I want, I want you to, to help people understand right now is it possible? You're a living testament, but how does someone go about just breaking it? You know, every person's different than, and, and uh, you know, sometimes one time I told that story in this lady, it was a room of FBI agents. Um, mm -hmm. And she said, when you tell that story about 
you know, not going to rehab, don't you, do you ever feel like you're going to make people bad, feel bad because they couldn't do that? And I was like, no, because it's the truth, right? I give glory to God. I'm not going to and give people hope. However, everybody is not the same. Just because someone can't do it one day doesn't mean they're any less than me. Mm-hmm. It's just my way. Some people go to rehab for a month. Some people go to rehab for a year. Everybody's different. And it's a, I'm sure that's a combination of reasons, not just one. Um, so, but I would tell people wherever you're at today, that God loves you. Um, he can get you through. And, you know, our walk with God is a, is a balance between the power of God and your power. Mm-hmm. And I give you an example. If you were to go into a river, as I told you earlier, I'm writing a series of devotions called Rivers. If you were to go into a river and you have to make a decision to walk into the river, you have to make a decision to go where it's deep enough for you to take your feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. And you have to make a decision to let yourself be pushed by the river. Now, the river's flowing, whether you like it or not. And so God's moving moving, and doing stuff. The question is, to what degree are you surrendered? But you have to make that decision to surrender. And then even as you're floating, you have to make a decision to move your arms and legs and guide yourself through the float. And so there's a balance between and a partnership between the power of God and your power or the power of God and your decision making with your power, right? And and so who knows why it takes some people longer than others, but it's not a one-to-one relationship. It doesn't mean if it took you longer than me that you were just not as disciplined. It doesn't mean that. God may need to take someone through rehab because on the 90th day you're in rehab, someone's coming in and he wants you to meet them. Yes. And so there's no, and there's no, don't even try to figure all that out. Just be obedient mm-hmm. and, and trust that the power of God is bigger than the power of addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's almighty. El Shaddai is nothing more powerful than him. Mm-hmm. And you have to trust it every day because whether you're in rehab a day, no days, three years, when you get out, you still got to trust him for the next day and the next day and the next day. So the journey of trusting God and being obedient never ends. Mm-hmm. And so whether you're, you know, whether you do that journey, poor, middle class, upper class, or, or middle class your whole life or whatever, you're still going to have to trust them no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think that's profound. Very powerful. Like the trust aspect. Like when you, when you make that uh, testament of faith, it's not one and done. Or now, okay, I'm, I'm no longer going to trust you for, and you know, it's hard like to actually, but God says in his word for those people that have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you have the ability to move mountains, but we just got to have that little bit of faith. But even exactly. that little bit of faith is super hard to have. And I think that's, that's such a profound um, example really of how we can go about breaking our own addictions is, is trusting in God to help us. And I love how you, you mentioned there, about our like our purpose for a moment and figuring that out, you know, because it's amazing how God leads us to where he, he wants us to be. And we may not think in that moment why this is, this is where God wants us to be, but it's exactly where he wants us to be despite the fact that it might be in the pit of despair because you never know you might be there to meet that one person. I love how you, you mentioned that. Um, Pastor Miles, you, you then, I believe you moved from the NFL. You started working as a youth pastor. 
what was the one thing that you learned uh, as a youth pastor during that time? I learned Ephesians 4, 11, 12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We had our kids preaching, doing music, announcements, setting up chairs, uh, greeting new kids, discipling kids, doing drama. We turned the whole ministry over to kids. And it, it was what is what I do now with the church because we, we do about $4 million of volunteer service with our church now. And I learned that when I was a youth pastor to get the saints to do the work in the ministry. Mm. And now you're the senior pastor at Rock Church. And you started the church in 2000, I believe. And yeah. what's the hardest thing about being a senior pastor? Because it's <laughs> extremely stressful, I can imagine. Yeah, I think the hardest thing is um, people, you know, um, is leading people. Uh, everybody's so different and has their own desires and and ideas of how things should happen. And you got to juggle thousands of opinions and thousands of perspectives about everything. Mm. And so that's the hardest part. I mean, uh, you know, everybody has their own, their own social narrative, right. About, you know, what church should be like, what you should wear, how many times you should preach on this subject. And, and um, so it's, it's, that's probably the hardest thing. Um, to lead successfully and get as many different people with different ideas moving in the same direction. Mm. Has there ever been any days where you don't feel like standing up in the pulpit and preaching? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what do you do? Different days. Well, it depends on what day it is. Some days I just grunt through it. The other days I'll just stay home. (laughs) (laughs) That hasn't happened. There's been, there've been a couple of times, literally, and, and I can count them on one hand because I, and I remember them where I had some really hard things happening where I just didn't go, you know, just said, I can't go in today. Um, um, and other times, you know, it's just, you know, it's physically draining to just speak because of whatever's going on. And, and there's been so many emotions of, you know, discouragement or fear or guilt, you know, I should have done this and I'm now beating myself up and the devil's beating me up and it's in my head while I'm trying to preach and tell people God loves them, you know? So it's, a, you know, it's a, you know, because if the devil can distract me, it's a trickle down to, to everybody else, especially on Sunday. So, um, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's like when you go to war to, to win the most important battle of the, of the, of ever, uh, you should expect to get beat down. Mm, absolutely. Um, Pastor Miles, I got a few more questions for you, if you don't mind. Really enjoy this conversation with you. Uh, this one might, may be a tough one to answer, but we'll see how we go. I've only asked it to a few other people. Uh, if you could ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be, why, and what question would you ask them? I probably would ask Muhammad Ali. Ah. Um, he was my favorite athlete of all time. And, and the reason being is because of the sacrifices he made. I probably want to sit down and talk to him about the sacrifices he made. You know, Martin Luther King's in the same boat. Um, probably be those two guys and say, look, I, I, you know, I want more courage. Um, when I wrote the book, the third option, I didn't write it to write a book and sell a bunch of books. I, I really want to help people and, and now that I'm really pressing into 
the e-course uh, and you want to spread the message through all sectors of society, Christian and non-Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm going to need more wisdom, courage, uh, for uh, you know, vision. So I probably would sit down with those two guys and just ask them about, you know, what, how they got through their most difficult days. Going through the easy days, you know, it's easy, but you know, what happens when you feel like everybody's against you? And that's why I probably would ask them. Wow. Sounds like you've actually thought about this. <laughs> you know, it just, it just, it just came to me. <laughs> that is so cool. Cause normally when I ask people that question, they're like stumped. They're <laughs> and I've been stumped by this question before, but um, I'm glad you answered it pretty quickly. That, that's awesome. Um, first person to actually do that. And Anthony Hamilton, Anthony Hamilton's one was so profound. He said that he would go back and ask the person who started all this hate, why? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> the devil, he, cause he wanted, he wanted to destroy the image of God. <laughs> yeah. But, oh man, see my brain thinking, but my second last question for you, Miles is, this is my legacy question that I love asking at the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it all. They just did. We'll call it magic. Um, and then they're showing it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? You know, you get me choked up. Um, I, I, I want, you know, do you ever see um, Private Ryan? I love that movie. I cry when I think about that movie. At the very end, when he said, tell me I was a good man. <laughs> At the very, very end. I cry now, even thinking about it, even when I, when I, and I'm watching the movie, knowing it's coming. Uh, that's it. I, I can't even remember my 40s when I started the church. And I'm only 60. I can't remember that whole decade. Hardly remember anything. And so when I'm 100, I'm going to have forgotten my 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. <laughs> so all the things I've done, I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> so it's not, it's not, if it's not going to matter to me, I don't care. You know, and, and if I'm 100, most of the people I know today are going to be dead anyway. <laughs> my wife and I watched the TV and this lady was 108 she had a birthday and, and I always talk about living to 120 but I, I just want to be healthy and I'm like if I'm 108 everybody I know is dead everybody I know today is dead and then that kids are dead <laughs> um, but I just hope that people say you know what he was a good man he loved people and he, and he was willing to take risk for other people you know, the greatest way you can be like Jesus is to suffer on behalf of other people. Mm. That's the greatest thing you can do. Loving other people to the point where you suffer on their behalf. And, you know, I don't know that I have that courage to, that, that he has had. And that's why I look at Martin Luther King and, and, and Muhammad Ali, what they gave up for, what they believe. Um, I, you know, I just want to, and, and there's so many people around the world who've done that, but I, I want to be that person. I was going to ask you one last question, but I think that's a powerful way to sort of end it. Um, Pastor Miles, thank you so much for your time today. 
and for coming on the Storybox podcast, sharing your story. Where can people find you and where can people learn more about you? Well, I want them to get this and um, then go to Amazon, get this. But you can go to milesmcpherson.com, milesmcpherson.com uh, or at milesmcpherson uh, on social media, but milesmcpherson.com, you can get the book. You can also get the e-course and do the e-course. Get, some, get a group together, do the e-course uh, because us talking about it is one thing, reading books about it, but it's not till we practice and we don't want to learn these concepts on the sidewalk and make a mistake as you know so but they can go to milesmcpherson.com and get all the information i'll make sure that everything when this episode does go live everything's in the show notes below but thank you so much miles once again really do appreciate you god bless you man i don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story i just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.